and welcome to another edition of Testify here on Eden FM. I'm Ingrid Carly Moses and I'm so thankful and, and appreciative to be able to be here on the radio again this evening. I have an awesome guest lined up and through God's intervention we've been connected. Um, thank you for, the, for you as listeners that connect with me um, during the week and connect with us on our various social media platforms of Facebook, of Instagram, and then also our podcast members. As you know, this program is not only now broadcast on Eden FM, but it is also published as a podcast on Anchor. And if ever you would like to be a guest please do connect with myself via these media platforms um, to just indicate that you feel it on your heart to share your testimony. And so this evening, um, yes, we are in November already. Can you believe it? And as it goes, November is sort of focused on men. There's this aspect of Movember, not just November. And this evening, I have a gentleman all the way from Cape Town who is going to be sharing his testimony with you. And what an awesome testimony that is. So I'd like to welcome Denver. Good evening, Denver Dreyer. How are you? Good evening, Ingrid and all the listeners. I'm very well this evening. How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. So Denver, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Who are you, where you're from, your family, whatever you'd like them to know about who Denver is. Uh, thank you, Ingrid. Um, my name is Denver Dreyer, as you said. Um, I stay in the northern suburbs of uh, Cape Town, in Cape Town, the city of Cape Town. Um, and that is obviously in South Africa. Um, I'm 46 years old, um, married. And I've got three children. Um, my eldest is 21, and my daughter is 18. And then we, our youngest um, will be four now in December the 28th. Um, and um, yeah, it's been it's been um, an, a, a really a, a really an awesome journey um, with God. Um, we are a blended family. Um, my wife was married before, and then she lost her husband about 10 years ago um, to cancer. And um, we, we met about seven years ago. We started um, courting, started dating and then courting, and we're going into our fourth year of marriage now. And from that relationship, she had two kids. So I, um, you know, I've, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a stepfather to two beautiful children that Tracy had in her first marriage. Yeah. So yeah, that's just a bit about me. Um, we are a family that serves God. And um, yeah, so that's basically Denver Dreyer. Mm, ah, yes, that's Denver Dreyer in terms of the context of your personal life. But there's so much yes. more to this Denver Dreyer that I know of and that you will be sharing this evening with the listeners. Your story didn't start there. I believe that your story was quite a turbulent journey from resisting God and doing some things that was against his will. So Denver, with this introduction, I give you the platform to tell your story um, in terms of what had happened and how you actually got to be in this beautiful relationship and a father to these beautiful children. You know what, for me, the story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make reference to the Bible. And, and I want to make reference to, to a, a, a scripture in the Bible, in the book of Acts 9 verse 1. And the Bible says that, um, meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's anointed and you know when I read that um, I, 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 the Holy Spirit revealed to me that there's a demonic assignment um, against every living creature whether you um, a Buddhist, a Baptist the Satanist the believer or, or an unbeliever um, doesn't matter who you are you might live in India or America or wherever, but there's a demonic assignment, a murderous assignment that wants to destroy the identity um, of who you are supposed to be in Christ. And Satan will try everything in his power to prevent you from getting to that place. So this testimony that I want to share is basically a testimony of God's grace. And I love Acts 9 verse 1 because the Bible says, meanwhile, Saul. It doesn't start with Paul. And that, that Saul that the Bible speaks about there, it speaks about everything that was against the purposes of God. It represented rebellion. It represented addiction. It represented 
um, you know what, whatever dark things you can think about, you know, Saul represented that. And I love the word meanwhile. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I want to get to the gist of my story and what God has done um, in me, you know. Um, but but the, the word meanwhile, it's, it's such an amazing word because it means that even while we are unaware of the capacity that God has to love us and to just pour his blessing upon us, even though we are totally um, aloof to that reality. The word meanwhile means that there's still a purpose hanging over every living person, regardless of who you are. And you know what? I came to understand that there's certain things I, I like to, you know, I like to, to tell people this, what you don't learn by revelation, you will learn by situation. And something awesome happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. It was the assignment of the enemy to kill him and to destroy him. He was breathing out murderous threats. It's a, it's a murderous spirit. Even, you know, within our communities, our young people are dying at a young age and all these things. I don't want to go into that. But something remarkable happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in Acts 9 verse 3, that Saul fell to the ground. And for me, when, when Jesus found me um, in my soul nature, I was, a, um, I, was, I was in a 10-year heroin addiction, drug addiction stint. Yeah, I, was, I was bound by drugs and I was living on the streets of Belleville from 2011 to 2016, towards the end of 2016, um, the, the addiction that I was in became, it became so out of hand that I had about 34 court cases. Now, you see the, the person that I was before this addiction, I was, I was a um, very, very well established young man. Um, I had a job uh, for an international airline company. I was based in Qatar, in Doha, and um, I stayed overseas for almost four years. Yeah. And then um, during that time, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to say the success went to my head, but I earned a lot of money. I traveled um, to like 14, 15 different countries. I would come in and out of Cape Town, you know, while I was staying in Doha, you know, I think I was here about 21 times in and in that 21 times, whenever I used to come home, I used to just party and it was, uh, you know, living in hotel rooms, uh, women, prostitutes and drugs and all these things. And, you know, what the, 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 the person that I was is basically spun totally out of control, you know. And God, uh, needless to say, I had to get my attention, um, you know, because now uh, looking back now, um, I had to have a rock bottom moment for him to get my attention because things were going too well for me. You know, I was earning lots of money. I could go into any shop. Um, you know, I've, I know what it's like to fly into a city like Hong Kong at five o'clock in the morning and seeing the sun coming over a city that I've never been to. I know what it's like to fly over a place like Seychelles and see oh, hundreds of islands around me, you know, and going into a city, staying in five star hotels and all these things, you know, and you just tend to 
to to to to maybe just ignore um you know god when things are going well and then god had to get my attention and you know what um i believe uh, i'm not saying the addiction was from god um but god used the addiction to get me to a place of hitting rock bottom so what happened to saul was the bible says he fell to the ground now uh, my my rock bottom was um that same guy that was traveling overseas you know driving expensive sports cars and um spending money like it's nothing um was now scrounging around in the bins of belleville um looking for food because i was so desperate i was so broken down um by this lifestyle of addiction and this happened very very quickly um and i believe that 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 um you know there are various um types of drugs that you can that people do um but the drug of choice for me that really um not that i'm condoning the other drugs because all drugs are evil um the drug that really um got me to the place where i was broken um or got the better of me was um heroin you know i was a heroin addict and um i remember one afternoon at about 2 in the afternoon um i was walking around at belleville taxi rank and i was so messed up you know i'm talking about being awake now for four or five days and you're so delusional and you're so far away from home i just i just never bothered to go home you know because now i was integrating into a whole street culture and learning how to survive on the streets without having to go home and obviously with that comes you know you steal and you uh you know take things that's not supposed to be yours to feed your dragging habit you know and and that just became um my everything you know um so you know having like all these court cases going in and out of prison um i really felt you know without those with those things happening i knew that there was something wrong you know because i come from a good home um so things weren't lining up and to be honest with you i i became very very depressed yeah i became very depressed and i remember one night i was walking towards tiger valley center and i honestly didn't plan to tell you this part of the story but i was walking towards tiger valley center and it was about 10 in the in the night and my whole purpose was to go and see what i can where i can break into like breaking into cars and things like it and and scratching in bins you know that's what i was actually doing and then i got to this one complex and i just sat next to this bin but i was so tired i was so so tired my soul was so tired and i was alone and i just sat between these two wheelie bins at this complex and i remember it was a very quiet night and i just threw myself back and i looked up into the sky and as i was looking up into the sky i closed my eyes because i could hear a a, a plane an airplane going over where i was you know in that area where i was laying 
And, you know, because I worked for an airline company, I, I used to work for a company called Qatar Airways. Um, I knew exactly what uh, engines uh, or what kind of aircraft um, uh, an aircraft is by listening to the engines, you know. Um, so I was trying to figure out what kind of aircraft was flying over me at that time. And, and then I just went into the state and I just, I just heard this plane, you know, going from a very significant sound to fading away into nothing, you know. And when it got to this place where it was fading into nothing, I just heard this voice coming from the sky. <laughs> um, and, and the voice said, um, South African Airways, welcome to the future. <laughs> I tell you, I got such a fright <laughs> that I actually got up from that uh, place where I was sitting and I walked down from Tiger Valley all the way to Brackenfell. It just sobered me up just like it. But anyway, it was just a weird, weird, weird encounter. But what I want to say is I hit rock bottom and I needed to get out of the addiction because it was becoming a problem. I was no longer welcome at my house. I would just wear any piece of clothing that I would pick up on the road. And yeah, so 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 something had to had to change, you know, something had to happen. You and mentioned then, um, Denver, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned earlier what you don't learn by revelation, you will learn by. What was that statement? Situation, situation. You, you know, will, what you don't learn by revelation, you will learn by situation. By situation. And just as you yeah. are sharing what happened to you in that in that sort of period, you know, or time frame of your life, um, and how yeah. your story, you feel your story connects to Saul's story. Um, it's just yeah. amazing how God was actually present in all of it. Um, and it was your moment of the situation changing for you. Yeah. Mm. And something, something happened to, yeah, sorry. Now carry on. Something amazing. Thank you for, for bringing me back to, to this now, because, you know, when, 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 when Saul was, um, when he fell to the ground, the Bible says he, he, he you know, he asked, um, he knew it was a divine moment. Um, mm. Because he said, Lord, who are you, you know? And, and amazingly enough, you know, um, the revelation of who Jesus was came to the fore. Correct. For me, this is vital because Denver Drea tried everything to get to this place of freedom. It wasn't a rocket science for me not to know that walking from Belleville Station on the train lines all the way to North Pine on the railway track at three o'clock in the morning, that was not normal. So something had to change. The amazing thing is, and if, if there are people listening to this broadcast that are doubting about the existence of God, I want you to turn your attention to this man called Jesus here. Yeah. Something happened when Saul fell to the ground. It was the best thing that happened to him because in that moment, in his brokenness, the Bible says he heard a voice. He heard a voice. And this voice spoke to him. It was like a dialogue. It said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So 
you know what? I believe that in order for us to locate the purpose of God, we need to deal with that soul nature within us. You know, I believe that there's a place for transformation available in God for every person that will have an encounter with Jesus Christ, a personal encounter with him. Awesome. Because when Saul was on that road, the Bible says that no, none of the other people saw the light around him. Only he saw it. Mm-hmm. And it's not because um, God is not omnipotent, but this was a moment designed for him, but he needed to see it because I think we we have a tendency to um, to have excuses or to explain things away. But yeah. he needed to he needed to address this unbelief that this man had by making it clear to him. So amazing encounter. It, it, it basically set him up um, for uh, a thing called forgiveness. That's you know, true. Because then that, that's true. Yeah. And 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 I and I sense that that's exactly what happened happened in your life as well. In that you were so down, and as you said, you hit rock bottom, um, and it was a point where God had to get your attention as well. And how your story links to that of souls is absolutely beautiful and the integration thereof. We're going to go to a song at this point, Denver. Um, And this song is called More Love, More Power by Michael W. Smith.
Welcome back, dear listeners. You're listening to Testify on Eden FM. This is Ingrid Carly Moses, and with me this evening is my guest, Denver Dreyer. And Denver's testimony stems from um, a very heavy and expansive addiction to heroin and a lifestyle that was one just simply of debauchery and um, exploration and not even giving a second thought to, to what his actions meant in terms of being alive and, and, and you know, to his loved ones also. And so Denver is linking his story to that of Saul's. And um, very beautifully stated, Denver, what you don't learn by revelation, you will learn by situation. So you got to a point where the Lord spoke to you, just like the Lord spoke to Saul. Tell us what that point, turning point was in your life and what happened from then on. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Now, at that point, I had 34 court cases. And to be honest with you, Ingrid and listeners, I was exhausted because um, I could clearly see that there was a, a demonic pattern, to be honest with you that was leading me further and further into darkness. I remember in the beginning, um, I would maybe just go to prison for maybe, it first started off with a weekend, you know, a long weekend. In fact, it started off with, they caught me and then they would let me go the next day before I went to court. And then it started with, um, and then a, a weekend. And then it's like, um, you know, when you go through the stages of addiction, um, you know, if anybody that does addiction counseling, they will tell you that the first stage is experimentation. And then you get into the second stage, which is habitual use. Um, you know, that's when you, you, you know, like in the first stage of um, experimentation, you maybe just use it at a party or whatever, or with friends. But when you step into the second stage, which is habitual use, um, you, you, you no longer use it at parties, but now you're making provision for this thing to be used on a Monday. And you know you're supposed to be at work on a Monday. So, um, and then you get into um, the third stage of addiction, which is um, problematic use. And that's when you have running with the law. And then obviously the fourth stage is um, a psychological dependency, which is addiction, you know? where you can't breathe or walk or talk without having a hit, you know, everything is just centered around this drug, you know, and heroin is a very highly addictive drug. I just, you know, but everything, everything took, uh, this drug took um, everything away from me, to be honest with you. It took away my family. It took away my dignity. Um, I remember one night, I, one morning, I was so, filtered out, if, I, if that is a word, that I, I fell asleep under a bridge in, in Stuckland. And there was a dirty mattress under that bridge. And I just covered myself with boxes. And I slept there from five o'clock the morning till six o'clock the night. And some of the people that I knew from the streets saw me laying there. And you know what? Um, 
this one guy brought me six slices of bread and he put it down there because he knew I was going to have difficulty getting up there, you know. So I went through all these experiences, you know. And you know what? Um, I would stay away for, from home for like 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, or, you know, like four days or whatever. And then eventually I would go home and, and, and my mother would never, ever turn me away whenever I used to come home. And I think that was the, the thing that really um, changed me. Because whenever I came home, my, my room was here and, I, and they, were, they would allow me to eat in the house and bath and everything. And then I would just come sleep maybe for a whole day, you know, just to recuperate from all the, you know, from being away from home so, so long. But my mother never, ever turned me away. And looking back now, I think my mother's motto, my mother is a champion. And my mother's motto is that you can show tough love, but it must be measured with a lot of love. Now, in my mind, I can't understand that. <laughs> because, you know what, if, if, if it had to be me, I would, have, I would have put my foot down, you know. I'd have done something radical, you know, um, probably kill the boy or whatever, you know. Um, I obviously won't do that now, but I'm just saying because I was that bad. But she never, she never shut the door on me completely. Um, where, 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 where she basically said to me, "Look here, you will, you know what? Some, sometimes when we are not equipped to deal with these type of things, then we curse the individual, and we say things like." You will always be a drug addict, you know. You will so 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 we so you know what people in addiction they live under the stigma as addicts, and I tell you, it takes a special kind of person to reach out to someone in addiction. Yeah, and I want to speak about this later on because um, all these trials that I've been through, all these difficulties, I had no idea that God was actually equipping me to empower me to be a minister of the gospel, to reach out to people that are locked into this. I tell you, you need, you need to be equipped. Uh, we are running support groups here in Cape Town, um, in the Aiken, Craventine area um, on a weekly basis, you know, and just to um, empower people, you know, to be equipped to deal with this here. Because I tell you, when you, when you, come from a house where you are the first person to ever step into addiction. Well, then you see what difficulty your loved ones have to go through, you know, to, um, to get you to this place of recovery. Yeah. So, so this was, this was a team effort, you know, mm -hmm. um, I wish I could tell you that I had it within myself and I came to my senses like the prodigal son. And I, no, 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 no. I was a stubborn, stubborn young man. And I mean, if you went to prison 34 times, you know, when you go into Paulsmore, Ingrid, mm. you, you have to, you, you go into these massive gates and then it's a very daunting experience. It's a very, uh, I tell you, if, if ever you um, lack appreciation for life on the outside, I want you to maybe just go and take a peek in that place there for maybe five minutes. You will... <laughs> You, your, your whole perception of life will change completely. Mm. That is and how intense it is. Mm. 
when you step into prison yeah you know mm. and so you ha you had the support group um that helped you support group and i understand that to be your family i'm just looking at the scripture um where mm. You know, so ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? So after your support group and, and your family came and helped you through this, what is it that you heard the Lord ask you to do? You know what? I just want to paraphrase that scripture because that's a very, very important scripture. It's Acts 9 verse 6. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it actually says, arise. Am I right? Yes, correct. I don't the, have... Lord, the Lord answers him and the Lord says, arise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He says, arise and go into the city. Mm. And that word city, it speaks of a principled place. It speaks of a place of authority. It speaks of a place of governance. It speaks of a place of kingdom alignment. Now, when you step into that, you step into your identity in Christ. Now, you, now you're treading on dangerous 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 ground because the moment you realize or you get to a place where you realize what your position is in god in christ you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness this was never about me just becoming free from heroin or coming off the streets or not going to prison there was a higher calling you know that god has assigned me but he first had to get me free from this destructive influences, um, Ingrid, which was obviously the drugs and the lifestyle that went with it, you know. But he mm -hmm. said, arise and go into the city and there. So everything about this encounter on the road to Damascus was to get Saul, Paul, to a place where he could decipher and understand mm -hmm. the instructions um that god wanted him for his life fantastic lovely it, it, wasn't, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy it wasn't easy because mm -hmm. you know what imagine you have a, a revelation like that or, you know where jesus himself appears to you you could have been hot-headed you could have been you know because immediately after that he did try to go into it into the city and to tell them about jesus but they couldn't understand that somebody that was just present when Stephen was murdered is now telling them about Jesus because when the Bible says that the, the people around him were scared of him, you know? Mm. So, so God had to deal with, um, with that, you know, and then further down, it says, then he met Ananias, the disciple Ananias, Ananias, because there was a, there was now a, a, um, even though the assignment was given to him, he now had to become a disciple where he needed to be disciplined in order for him to become the person that God wanted him, wanted him to be. So, so in whichever capacity it is, whether it is doing broadcasting in a radio and you know what, it all starts with an encounter with mm -hmm. God through the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And we're going to hear a little bit more of that encounter after we come back from the song. Yeah. And this song is called Let It Rain. And it's another Michael W. Smith song. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates. 
Distant shores rejoice, clouds and thick darkness surround him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth. Welcome back, dear listeners. You're listening to Testify on Eden FM. This is Ingrid Carly Moses, and I'm speaking to Denver Dreyer this evening. And Denver is telling us about his encounter with the Lord after um, a long time of being addicted to heroin and, uh, yeah, just a, a lifestyle that wasn't very pleasant. And uh, he's comparing his life to that of Saul and what had happened to him on the road of uh, um on the road to Damascus. So Denver, you we ended off the, the previous segment by you referring to Saul encountering Ananias. So what? who was that encounter for you? Was there an Ananias in your life that helped you in this transition? There were, there were several Ananiases in my life. Um, you know what? My mother was so um, fed up, you know, with, with me that she went to go seek help in so many different places, you know, and um, one of the places 
um, she used to frequent a support group in the Kruifontein area. And she went to the support group for two years before I ever set foot in that support group. And today, um, seven, eight years later, I'm a leader within that support group now. You know, I'm one of the facilitators there. Um, but what happened was in that two years, even when I was going in and out of prison, she needed to, um, this thing was busy subtracting from my family life, my sister, my brother, my mother, my father, you know. Um, so, so the best thing that they could have done, even though when I was unreachable, they needed to equip themselves. And that is when my mother went to go join the support group. And in that two years, she became equipped here. And the information that they've given her, um, you know what, if, if you can get information, you can get the revelation, you know? And revelation is powerful because it can redefine things in a way that your natural mind can't. And what happened to my mother is became, she became equipped and she was the only one that reached out to me, um, you know, because I was a villain. I was like, I was, I was very, very bad. I was very, very bad. You know, I mean, I don't want to go into details, but you know, we, I was very, very bad, you know? And when she went into the support group, she started rallying around people that could, you know, I think she also had, in a, a, you know, an X nine versus six encounter where instruction came to her, you know, um, simple things like, you know what, when your son comes home after the 10 day stint on the road, when he comes into the house, I want you to get some oil, take off his shoes and tell him you love him and just pray over him. And you know what, instead of being angry, at her son deteriorating, this woman started prophesying over me. And when I would lay on my bed with broken shoes, at the moment I weigh 30, uh, sorry, 94 kgs. I, I weigh 94 kgs, but back then I used to weigh 56 kgs. <laughs> you know, I was like skin and bone, you know. But even in that time, she had to learn to do things differently because we were dealing, you know what she, she understood that we were dealing with a spiritual dynamic that needed to be addressed, you know, in the realm of the spirit. And she needed to get equipped for that because you can moan and complain and say how bad things is and nothing will change. That is so Nothing powerful, Denver. That is so powerful. I just want to pause there for a moment because I think, you know, most of us that have to deal with family members, loved ones that are caught in this trap, that is caught in this web, um, this captivity of addiction, any form of addiction, just to protect ourselves and out of love for that person goes into a fight mode. But your mother fought in the spirit, not in the physical realm. And that is so important, dear listeners. That specific point that Denver's just shared there now. I tell you, um, she had to be strong. I remember one, one, um, one incident, incident where, I would, where I appeared in, in a court. And it was the 24th of December. And I felt like I was going to go home because I was in prison at the time, but I was on trial. 
So I appeared in court on the 24th of December with the hope that I was coming home. You know, I was in prison two months already, you know, and then I appeared at this one court in Kelsover. And then, you know what, um, when I appeared at the court um, on the 24th of December, the judge told me that this court, this case was such a serious case that they're going to postpone it till April the next year. <laughs> and I basically had to go back into prison and I saw the whole seasons change from summer to, you know, to um, Valentine's Day to Easter and, you know, with the rainy time that we have in, you know, in Easter and all these things I had to go, you know, but, and, and, and it was so difficult for her because when they told me they in that um, court that I was coming back in April, I looked back at my mom and I just saw tears in her eyes, you know, and I, and I, and I, I just, I just, I just, I couldn't console her because I wanted to get out of the situation, but she was just broken. But you know what, despite of all those things, um, that's why I always tell people, you know what, um, when you go through trauma, you get a, a thing called trauma traje trajectory, sorry. But the thing about uh, faith is you can have a faith tra trajectory, you know, where, where instead of um, seeing the problem, you can see the solution. But you need to bring the, the spirit element or the word of God into the situation to begin to redefine this thing and for it to operate on a on a level of freedom and liberty and i think this is the lesson that we had to learn as a family god used this situation to bring us to a place of acknowledgement and of worship here you know what i always tell people and i just said it now but i will say it again don't curse your crisis mm. god can use you know what he can you know what? Start thanking him for if you've been through a divorce. Start thanking him for that divorce. I'm not saying he's the author of it. If you have a son, you know um, that's on addiction. Start thanking him. You know, um, because God is going to use the situation. It's such an awesome uh, word in the book of Esther for no no somewhere in Genesis um, with Joseph and 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 and. And the, and the verse says, what you meant for evil, when the God factor comes into the equation, he turns it around and changes it into good. And only God can do that. Absolutely. I tried, I tried institutions. And you know what happened? The, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not debunking the importance of those institutions because um, with my mother's persistence, there were many things, there were many Ananiases um, that had to disciple me into this place. And, and mom was one of them. And then she was the one that had to go to the, um, to the um, social workers, Padisa. And then they had to set up a meeting with me. But whenever they set up a meeting, I wouldn't be at home because I was be on the street all the time. And, you know, it was a whole journey. But you know what the, 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 the thing was that located Denver to get him to, to see these people was the fact that we started praying. We started praying. We started praying. When I was laying on my bed um, coming from the streets, my mom would pray over me. When I would lay on my bed uh, after 10 days again being missing, coming from prison, she would have people over here to pray with her. 
you know so so the pre the pre aspect i tell you it was such an important thing because um this thing that was driving me this addiction that was driving me was was it was like trying to murder the purpose of god in my life well, you know and and, and obviously and, and that's what addiction does it actually it stifles that purpose that you are are meant to step into because of of holding you captive denver shoo yeah. so so powerful i know there's so much more to your story um but we're getting yeah. to the last segment now of our conversation this evening we're going to go to another song and when we come back there's one question i would just like to explore with you um and let's get there so let's first listen to the song and it is called do it again lord by elevation worship Welcome back, dear listeners. You're listening to Testify on Eden FM. I'm speaking to Denver Dreyer, and he's just explaining to us the transition in his life, or just the journey that he had, that he um, uh, compares to that of Paul and um, or Saul when he was still Saul, and the transition that happened in in his life. Then, just like in the story of Saul transitioning to Paul. So, Denver, in this last segment. I want to just ask you this question. So fantastic, thank you for sharing around your mother's um, intensity in fighting in the spirit and how important that is for our family members and our loved ones for us to do that. But when God called you and he called you out of this, this state, um, there was obviously a purpose that he had for you. Um, Acts 9 verse 15 says, "Go." For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. What did God ask you to do when you realized that there was a calling upon your life to stand for Jesus? Well, you know what? There's one word that stands out for me, Ingrid. It was the word he ignited my soul. With the fire of God, and I started an organization called Idea because I went to my old school one day, um, you know, because um, one of my kids were at the school, and I just happened to to share with one of my old teachers about the journey that I've been on, and then that was in 2017. So they they asked me to come and share my story to the school, you know. And so one, myself and my brother went there, and and we shared what I'm sharing with you now, uh, and some other details of what happened to me when I was in addiction, in prison, and all these things, um, and also the opportunities that was given to me, and how I, you know, like squandered everything, and you know, I had to just be brought to a place of submission again. And so I shared the story with him, and that morning I still have a photo here which I will send you sometime, 
I ministered that morning to about 1,200 kids at the school at Elsie's River High. And that was the beginning of something because when that door was opened, I, I first shared the story with the one teacher that knew me when I was still at that school. And then she opened the door for me to share with the rest of the school. And then from there, we shared this story to, I think maybe 30, 40 different schools here in the Western Cape. I just catapulted, you know, um, and people would ask me to come and share at the assemblies. And, and then we started this, um, this, myself, my brother, we started this organization called IDEA. It's called the Independent Drug Education Agency. You know, almost like the DEA, but with the I there. Mm-hmm. But it's not a big I, it's a small letter I. Because in, in order for the, the education, the drug education um, agency to be visible within the spectrum of ministry, that big I had to become a small I. And that is the transformation of Saul. He went from Saul to Paul. So there's a there's a visible, you know what? I was too big to fit into the into the assignment of God. I needed to be brought down to the ground. And you know what? I I I I I, I tell people this that the entire the entire thing about the gospel is the cross. And that cross speaks of a breaking point. That cross speaks of a separation. That cross speaks of um, alignment to the purposes of God. And you know what? Even if God had to use an addiction for me to have a moment in time where I was totally, totally disarmed because it was in that moment. You know what the first step in addiction, in, in the 12-step, you know the 12-step program, Ingrid? Yes, I do. They've got a very, they've got a very, very important um, step there, and it's step number one. And step number one says that you have come to a place where you realize that you are powerless over your addiction. That is so biblical because every one of us, we are so strong within ourselves. So God has to create a circumstance. I believe a circumstance, you know, to get us to this place. You know what? Even Jesus learned the things um, because of the things that he had to endure, that he had to suffer. Mm. So God used, you know, that man or that woman that has walked out on you, you know, when you were dating them and, you know, you will use that brokenness. You know? I mean, I was at a job. I was very good at what I was doing. And um, there was a lot of jealousy at the work that I was working in, the environment that I was working in because I was promoted. I was from, I was a foreigner and I was, I was just very friendly towards the staff, you know, that, that's when addiction wasn't even part of my life that time yet. But something happened at that job 
I don't want to go into detail, but I was fired because of what somebody else, because of other people's jealousies and things like that. But on a later stage, I had to see how, you know what? I think Saul said it, Paul said it this way, whatever was gained to me, I now consider a loss for the excellence of coming to this understanding of who I am in Christ or who Christ is in me. Mm. Yes. There's nothing more noble than for you to come to an understanding what Jesus has done for you at Calvary. That is you so can, true. Yeah, I tell you, I've been, <laughs> I've been to the temples in, in Kathmandu. I've been to Nepal, you know, where, where, where people are, it's the epitome of, of idol worship. You know, I've been in these temples. I've seen it with my own eyes. God has a purpose for you. You know, if there's somebody listening to this, I'm, 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 I'm beseeching you. I'm, I'm trying to get your attention, you know, by, by, by telling you, you are special and God has a purpose for your life. Mm -hmm. And he will not stop. He's working behind the scenes. The other day I went to go work and I was driving on the R300 and I saw a decent lady standing on the Sarepta Bridge wanting to commit suicide at nine in the night. Mm. Uh, sorry, in the morning. Nine in the morning, she wanted to jump from that bridge. This was now a few weeks ago. And mm. while I was standing there, I was standing there, the song was playing on the radio. He's working behind the scenes. And this thing played out in front of me. Uh, Ingrid, it was so amazing. Mm. Because every single thought stopped on that R300. Mm. And that lady eventually came down from that the bridge. And she just collapsed into this other woman's arm. You could see she was broken. A decent, decent, decent lady. Yeah. Ingo, we've got so much to talk about. There's still such a big part of your story that I believe is worth sharing with the listeners. I would actually like at this point, because we have come to the end of the program and our time, a lot of time today, I would really like to invite you um, to continue this conversation um, in our next in our, in our next program in the next two weeks. Would you be willing to do that? Yes, I will. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your openness um, and your willingness to do so because there's so much more that I believe um, that is that is intended for you to share. Um, and we still need to get to that part of your story, just like Saul's story continues in Acts 9. Denver, at this point, I'm going to close off with a prayer um, and we will make arrangements then to connect again to continue the story for the next for the next program. Yes, Ingrid, no problem. Lovely. Thank so, dear you. listeners, there you've heard. Um, I'm definitely inviting Denver uh, to follow on with his story in two weeks' time. So, thank you very much, Denver, for your time, and we will connect again. And at this moment, I want to pray for you as we close off the program. Dear Father God, I thank you so much for allowing your Holy Spirit to work through Denver. Father God, we've heard his testimony this evening. And Father, we know that through that, that you've never left him, Father, even through all the wrong turns that he took in his life. Father, I thank you also for a prayerful mother. May we never forget, Lord, the importance of being, of praying, Lord, for our loved ones. And I bless also his mother, Lord, through this prayer this evening. 
And I hope that the trials that you went through, that she would know, Lord, that you were always there, walking beside her and being there for her son. And may these words speak over our lives too, that's listening to this program this evening. Thank you, Father God, for everything you still have in store for Denver, Lord, and through his testimony, not only on this program to listeners hearing it, but wherever he continues to share his testimony. We praise you, we bless you, we thank you, and we glorify you. Amen. Good night, dear Amen. listeners. Good, thank you. Good night, dear listeners. And we will connect again uh, with Denver's story to continue.